It's time to answer the call, little buddy. I'm talking about big beef, dislocate your jaw kind of wide. This, that, charbroiled unicorn boy, bacon, big pig, slab, cut thick, sizzling for shizzling on velvet sheet of ooey gooey. Ooh, a wild, wild western bacon cheeseburger. Carl Jr. I'm calling your name. Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to our podcast. Hope you're enjoying the great weather we're having, and welcome to the show. This is the place, Guys Guys Radio, where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. It all started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. But ultimately, and underneath it all, it's about love. And that begot my website, robertmanny.com and my blog on life, love, and a pursuit of happiness, and then Guys Guys Radio. We have a great show today. I'm really excited about our guest, Ben Fetter. Ben's a corporate guy like I am, and he decided to put everything on the shelf for eight months and moved his wife and four kids to Bali on a sabbatical which is uh, incredible. So he's going to tell us our his he's going to tell us his story when he comes on in a few moments. Um, I'm sure everybody at one time or another would like to just say, hey, or has said to themselves, hey, I'm just going to pick up and move. Or you go on vacation somewhere and you're like, I wonder what it would be like living here. You're at some island. I know I've had that feeling. I traveled a lot to uh, Anguilla in the off season. We'd stay at this uh, private residence right on a sea, uh, called a seahorse, right on a, a cove. And it was just so wonderful. It was not in the height of tourist season. And, you know, Anguilla is a very expensive place to go on vacation. It's up there with St. Bart's. But um, you get a private residence and then you just go out and go to the fine restaurants in the off season. Uh, you can afford it. It's uh, it's not that expensive. Um, and then you can eat some meals at home, too. And. Many times we would discuss, because I went down with, with different couples, different groups of people, and we'd say, you know, what it would be like if we just stayed here, buy a place here? Of course, we didn't think about the hurricanes and things like that, or if we would get island fever. But just the idea of getting away from it all, not having your phone uh, tethered to your phone and to the Internet and just be away. And actually, when we would go, we wouldn't we would actually just not use the phone unless we had to and we would not use uh, the internet at all just check the phone you know check email on the phone now and then but that's it pretty much cut off and it was fantastic but summer is the time of vacations and think about all the different vacations you you've traveled to places you went things that you did and the amount of times you said i just don't want to go back well i guess it can be done we're in a crazy rat race world but we can get away. Thinking about some of my vacations when I was a kid, 
I used to go to, uh, I had a older, I have an older brother. So it was my mom and my dad, my older brother. We would go up to New Hampshire about every other year to a place called Little Squam Lake. And Little Squam, I think it was Lake. And it was in Holderness. And we'd stay in these uh, cabins. It was a lot of fun. We'd pump water. They had a water pump and they had a, a, they had a pond. It was actually the pond that was used in the movie, uh, that movie on Golden Pond with uh, Henry Fonda. Very beautiful, picturesque. My dad used to water ski. We used to fish, go swimming in the in the in the lake, pond, whatever. It was like a mini lake or a big pond, and uh, had a lot of fun. But it was seven hours at and back in the day. This is way, way, way back when I was a kid, and we would drive up there. And my dad would drive, and sometimes my mother would drive. And one time we were driving up there. And all of a sudden, we were all just kind of chilling. I was in the back seat with my brother goofing around. And all of a sudden, I think my dad was snoozing off. We're like, my mother's like, why are all those cars going the wrong way? So we all looked up. Everybody woke up at that point and noticed that my mother was driving on the wrong side of the highway. So, so the, the driving task went back to my dad after that. It was pretty hilarious, though, at the time. And we were lucky nothing happened. We also used to go to the Poconos this place. Fred Waring had this place in the Poconos. We would go there every so often. And then uh, the Catskill Game Farm, my parents used to take us to, where they had obviously all these uh, farm animals. I remember I, I played baseball there for the first time and really fell in love with it. And we got to feed the, you know, the chickens and the goats and everything. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, then we started going down to Jersey Shore. Uh, we used to rent this house right on the beach in Lavalette. My dad was a world traveler for his business. And uh, when he got away, he wanted to get away. So when we was, he was, he was gone a lot of the times, but when we'd go on vacation, we'd try to make it a good one. And uh, Lavalette, even though it might not sound that exotic at the time, it felt exotic to us. We had a place right on the beach, it had an outdoor shower. We'd go for like two weeks straight. It was fantastic. That was my favorite vacation because it wasn't that far I got to listen to my radio, swim in the ocean, get a suntan. My friends could come down and visit. It was fabulous. I really loved that one. And uh, one time, though, we didn't get, get that, that place in Lavalette. It was the, the summer before we rented that place. And I hate to throw shade on my mom, but she had picked this place out called, I think it was Wenkies or something like that. Anyhow, it was one of those. You ever drive down the highway and you see one of those motels and it's got a swimming pool? Well, we stayed at one of those places for like... It was my brother, myself, my mom and dad and my grandmother for a week. And my brother and I, all we did was complain because they had nothing to do. They just had this pool and the, the rooms had this, I remember this disinfectant smell and an air conditioner. It was just the worst. So after that, I think that's when we got upgraded to Lavalette. But, you know, vacation. Summer's the time of vacation and a lot of memories. And it goes so fast. It goes so fast from that day, you know, June 21st, you've got, Summer solstice, bang, the clock starts going the other way and it gets darker by the minute all the way down to December 21st when it goes the other way again. So things, I think what happens as you get older, things seem to happen faster or seem like they're happening faster. So you got to make the most of it. So we're looking forward to a great show today. Let's take a very quick break and then we'll come back and I'll bring out our special guest, uh, Ben Fetter. The Guys Guy Radio. 
All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. Let's do a quick uh, Guys Guy of the Week, and then we're going to bring our special guest Ben on. So our Guys Guy of the Week is someone who, 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 who embodies the characteristics of a guys guy casual confidence unassuming strength seductive integrity emotional intelligence timeless style and fun we're going to give it out to everybody who's gone on road trips and everybody who's really taken the time to just say i'm not going to i'm not going to be tethered to my phone i'm not going to be tethered to the internet i'm just going to get away and probably the uh, king of road trips has uh, taken place by ben fetter and he wrote a book about it called take off your shoes corporate takeover spiritual makeover something I think a lot of us, particularly us guys who are in corporate life, uh, would like to do. So let's tell you a little bit about Ben, and then we'll bring him out here. He's the president of International Partnerships for the U.S. at Tencent, Chinese internet titan. I wonder what he thinks about net neutrality. And former CEO of Take-Two Interactive, the publisher of the Smash video game hits. Of course, we all know them all. Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, NBA 2K, which is huge. He serves on the board of directors of public and private companies in media and entertainment industries, and he's director of Save a Child's Heart, a nonprofit that works globally to rescue children with congenital heart defects. He went to Harvard Business School. He lives in New York City, as I do, with his wife, Victoria. They have, he has four kids. They have four kids. Um, and let's welcome him to Guys Guys Radio right now. Hello there, Ben. How are you? Thanks for being on Guys Guys Radio. Hi. How are you? It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. So let's uh, talk a little bit about your trip. Um, I come from the media industry and marketing and advertising, and I know many times I wanted to just say, hey, I'm just going to pick up and leave. Now, I didn't have a wife at the time and four kids. I could have done it, but I didn't. Um, Sometimes I regret that, but other times I say, well, I did what I needed to do. But Doing that, what kind of prompted, let's get right to the beginning, what prompted you to say, I got to take a break? Um, you know, there's never, there's, I, I think there's never only one thing. Um, there's often a confluence of motivations, and sometimes, even when I got there, I was like, now why did I do this again? Um, but, um, and it's, so it's usually a confluence of things. And in the background, as my wife and I have always talked about, you know, taking some extended time off to travel is kind of a fantasy of ours. And, um, you know, it's kind of always in the background and never quite got together because life just takes over, you know, the urgencies of, you know, work and right. home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my kids, I have four kids, and um, there was one day I came home from work, and I don't know, I kind of, uh, you know, I knocked on my son's door, my oldest son, who's in eighth grade at the time, and uh, he was barricaded inside his room doing his homework. And uh, I said, hey, Sam, and he just um, kind of like grunted something at me. And then at dinner, he kind of grunted some more and wasn't really speaking. And I just had this notion, look, I was traveling around the world. I circled the globe four or five times a year. And I had this notion that he was going to high school the next year. And I was circling the globe. And his work habits would only get more intense. And he'd be in his, he'd be in his, in his room. And then he'd go to college. And like all of a sudden, like, I, I felt this enormous weight of time that it's just kind of passing and kind of, you know, just opened, it opened up a question for me. It's like, well, how do you want to live your life? And what do you want to do? And, and I, you know, it's not like I hadn't achieved success in my career and in my life, and I was pretty happy with the way things were. But, you know, that's kind of the old saying, you know, you're working to live or you're living to work, and what do you, what do you, what do you want to accomplish? What do, you, what do you want out of your time? And so it, it started a conversation with my wife um, about what we wanted to do and, and, 
you know, when you opened up this um, this episode, you kind of, you know, who hasn't thought about just kind of throwing in the towel and just going off to an island somewhere. Um, this was this wasn't an impulsive choice. This took a long time, a lot of planning, probably a little over a year of planning, just to kind of extricate ourselves from our life situations and kind of figure out the logistics of all of it. And so, you know, it was anything but impulsive. It was a very, very deliberate choice and, um, and understood the trade-offs that we'd all be making. Um, but it was a choice that I made for, for me and for my family and for, you know, something that we wanted. And to this day, it's, you know, that decision and that trip is this kind of family story that we have about ourselves. Like this is something, you know, my kids, even the teenagers, everybody wants to be unique. And this is kind of this unique thing that they think they did as a family. And it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to soft pedal it too much. It'll say, Hey, I'm just, I had a bad day. I'm just like sick and tired of the whole thing. And I'm just leaving. I didn't, I didn't just up and leave. It was kind of a lot more. So this must've been, yeah, it must've been something that was brewing, um, inside of you. And, uh, how did you, uh, how did you wife take it? From what I've read, she was very supportive. And how about your kids? What was their thinking about it when you broached the subject to them for the first time? <laughs> Uh, you know, my son like didn't speak to me for two days, um, and then it kind of mm-hmm. dawned on him that um, he thought like, "Oh wait," you know, he just wanted to get into a good college, and so it, it just dawned on him that he he wouldn't really spoke to his guidance counselor, and we spoke to his guidance counselor, and it really wouldn't hurt his chances of anything, it would enhance his chances. And all of a sudden, he realized there's no downside. There's probably a lot of upside, um, just in terms of taking some time off from kind of high pressure New York schools um, and so he kind of came around to it eventually started asking questions well what, what about this and what about that um, and eventually he sort of came around to it and he told him first and then we told my second next and then kind of down the line he was the one that had the hardest time and he was the one that I thought would have the hardest time once we got there as it turns out how old he was 15 at the time okay yeah it's understandable and well, how did you do with like, he, we put him in a school where he was like four boys and 15 girls. So it was just like kind of made his, okay. <laughs> kind cool. of made his semester. And how yeah, did you uh, de- determine the location you were going to go to? Cause if you went through a year of planning, there's a lot of logistics. And I think for our listeners, uh, they probably want to know some of your considerations and if they ever wanted to do something like this, what is, what is it, you know, what did you, what did you do? Right. What did you do? Not so right. And, uh, how did you make it all come together? You know, when we started, we kind of like, so we kind of agreed to go and then just like pulled up two chairs in the kitchen and then the, uh, you know, with the, our, our computer is. And, uh, you know, we pulled up Google Earth and like said to my wife, well, okay, where do you want to go? And we started circling the globe and like, how about here? How about there? And, you know, that's not a good way of doing it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really tell you anything just looking at a globe. And so we wrote down a list of criteria of what we wanted out of um, out of the sabbatical, and you know, out of those criteria, a few things popped out. And in fact, Bali wasn't the first thing that popped out. There's some place in South America, and um, uh, you know, in fact, we went. Yeah, we so we, we found this place in South America, and we actually went for a weekend just to kind of check it out and find schools for our mm-hmm. kids. And um, you know, I came back afterwards. I said to my wife, I, you know, I said, this, this is, I had a really lovely weekend, but this is like Connecticut in Spanish. <laughs> and, 
and Connecticut's lovely, but it's not really where I want to spend my sabbatical. Right. And um, it was kind of very suburban and very kind of clean streets and leafy and all that. But and everybody uh, had day jobs and was working, and I, I, just, I just didn't see the activity that I didn't know what I would do. In fact, what I, I mean, this is my refrain before I left all the time. I live in New York. I had a big job, and I had stimulation coming at me all the time from all different directions, right. and I had no idea what I would do with my time. And so maybe it was just kind of this little panic about like, where, if you don't mind my asking, where in South America? So this was in uh, Mendoza, Argentina, the wine district. So I saw okay. what would be Napa Valley of South South mm-hmm. America, and um, I mean, there's a lot of wine there, but it's not Napa Valley. It's very industrial. Mm-hmm. There are, there are all sorts of reasons, and it's safe, and I mean, Argentina was going through really, still is going through a kind of a tumultuous time. All right. Now, Bali, um, Bali, you know, Indonesia is a whole different culture. It's on the other side of the world. It's Asia. Um, how did you kind of uh, process uh, and uh, qualify a lot of uh, issues for, for Bali? Um, well, so Bali ended up being, so when, when, by the time we were done with Argentina, we had three months left to our departure date, and we still didn't know where we were going. And so, you know, um, uh, my brother actually suggested Bali. We looked up, we looked at a bunch of things, including, first and foremost, the school there. It was an amazing school there for our kids. And my wife said to me, it's like, okay, this time, no recon trip, none of that. We're just going, we're going to make it great. And neither of us had ever been there, and sight unseen, we just picked it, and we said, okay, we're going. And we decided to do a little travel on, on either end, so we get to show the kids a little bit of the world. So travel, you know, stop in a few places on the way there and on the way back. But Bali, Bali was it, and um, uh, and Bali, Indonesia is the world's largest um, Muslim country, actually. Although Bali, in the center of it, it's an island, not quite in the center, but it's an island off of Java, and that island specifically is Hindu, so um, it's not Muslim, and and it one of the world's last indigenous intact cultures you know, almost unadulterated by Western food and Western culture. It's a very, very strong local culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an appeal to us. It wasn't in any way kind of an adjustment for us. It was, it was a real appeal and a very welcoming smiles. Balinese just kind of wear smiles on their face all the time. It's a very, very special, very, very spiritual place. So uh, where, what yeah. what type of place did you stay in then? How did you find accommodations and what did you go? Did you want to stay, you know, like in a hut or something, or did you find an apartment or like what what did what did you do in terms of a house or B and B or what? You know, the 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 internet is such that we arranged everything from a desktop, schools, the housing, the car, the, you know, everything was just arranged from here. We got when, when we were here, and what was um, was really instructive for us as New Yorkers is, you know, we went there, we rented our place out in New York so and, and then rented another place in Bali. Mm-hmm. And the, just the price difference of what it, you know, what, what you can rent your place out in New York for practically pays for the entire sabbatical. Right. And, um, and we lived in a, we lived in a, in a house in a villa by, you know, outside of a town called uh, Ubud between a town called Ubud and another one called Jinjigan. Um, and it was, uh, you know, with kind of chickens and dogs and um, the whole thing. I don't want to underestimate it. It was a nice home, but um, had a little pool in the back. Um, and it, but it costs very little to live there, especially if you're if you're kind of doing this little arbitrage between, you know, what you can get in New York versus what you have to pay in Bali. 
would have what been was, a nice help. So when you uh, you know booked everything online and you got there, was it uh, what you expected? <laughs> you know, the moment when we arrived, you know, Bali is, you know, there are a lot of lenses to which you can see Bali. And one lens is kind of a real third world lens. There's a lot of, um, it can be dirty, it can be smoky from the trash that people just burn on the streets. Um, it can be trafficy, it could be all of that stuff. And that's kind of the first thing you see. And it's a bit of an assault on your senses. When we got there, I mean, my wife and I looked at each other and said, what did we do? Um, but then you kind of, you know, it takes a first, you know, it takes a day for, you know, the tropical breeze to set in, the sun to shine, um, and for you to realize kind of that you're in a special place. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a day, maybe a few days. Um, and you get past all of that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, physically, you know, you land when you land in the airport, you kind of you mm-hmm. land in all of that kind of urban stuff. We live a lot more rural than that. Once once you're kind of out in the rural areas, it's it's just gorgeous. It's just now, uh, what and, did you uh, bring along with you, Ben? Uh, not much. I mean, I brought a lot more clothing than I needed. We had mm-hmm. a um, a woman come kind of to our laundry for us, and I, just, I you know, I ended up taking, you know, end up taking kind of whatever's on top of the pile. And I just, I, I don't know, I probably wore the same t-shirt and shorts, you know. Probably right. had a probably had four, four or five pairs of it. So the clothing, I took a little bit of clothing. We took, uh, I don't know, we just took our essentials, took some games for the kids, took our Kindles so we can read, um, took a bunch of books. We didn't, you know, we didn't pack very heavy at all. I spent my entire trip there wearing flip-flops. Um, nice. You know, you don't, need, you, don't, you don't need a lot. And uh, how did the kids... And, and by uh, the way, a good, a, good le- a good lesson in life and for, you know, when you get back. You know, you're, at the end of the day, you, you don't really need very much. That's None true. Of us That's true. Much. So what did the kids think, uh, you know, initially, and what did they think uh, by the end of the eight months? And why did you make it? Did you have a hard stop for eight months? Uh, I did, although, you know, by the end of it, you know, we we did kind of have these kind of evil conversations of like, well, why don't we stay another year? You know, what do you think? Um, But honestly, it's kind of, it was just, it was was magical for us. And... um, (laughs) And we toyed with the idea. It was my son who wanted to go to the college sort of said, you know, I, I'd like to go, I'd like to stay too, but I know I need to go back if I want to, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get here what I want to get. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and that was kind of the decisive point for me. Um, and then also, you know, I kind of realized that I, I, I need to get back to work and like take off forever. You can't, so, uh, you can escape, you can't escape forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us how kind of the unfolding process that happened to you. I read we learned meditation, yoga, painting, um, how to live in the stillness, living in the present. Tell us about some of the things uh, you learned and kind of how those things came to you while you were doing this eight-month period. Well, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. It sort of came to me. I'll tell you about that in a second. Then I kind of realized there's this, there's this groundswell that's happening now. Um, but I think I was just got in early, so I don't know if I just got it through the ether. But I do sense um, that meditation and yoga and mindfulness and um, uh, brain plasticity and kind of skills to learn how to thrive, I think, is really coming into the mainstream, at least in um, corporate culture, at least in media. And um, 
you know, I came to it mostly through my own experience and through reading about, um, you know, the impact of social media is having and be, people being on the computers the whole time. And I am personally just kind of moving all the time. And the piece that I was seeking, I really got through a number of different practices, um, as you pointed out, meditation, yoga, and ultimately art and painting. Um, but there is a lot of, there's a lot of brain science that uh, we're just learning about, about the impacts of the brain on multitasking, the impact on the brain of not being able to rest, and also the impact of, you know, what scientists call the negative bias that everybody has in their minds mm-hmm. and how to overcome that. And for me, meditation and yoga and painting, all of which, all of, all of which kind of were exercises in um, grounding myself um, as opposed to constantly moving and doing and being. So I call the combination of both being and doing, having, having, years and years and years doing I kind of just found a way of just being being with my family being with myself um, being present being in the moment all, all of those kind of cliched um, phrases I kind of discovered on my own and discovered real joy through them so real when joy. you got when you came back Ben um, and got back into the swing of things what was uh, how did you feel did, was it basically you, you just incorporated I don't mean just you've incorporated meditation, yoga, and painting into your kind of lifestyle. Did you, or did you notice that we're our, our culture is dysfunctional in some ways because we're so hard charging. We do a lot of good things and get a lot done, but we're also crazy in some ways. Uh, or did you just get back into it? And did you see your colleagues and your friends differently? Did your whole family was, uh, have they been affected impacted by this? I guess it would be in a positive way, or are they like, oh my goodness, we came back to this? Or tell us kind of how that all happens, because that's a that's that's a big deal, I would think. It is it is a big deal, and it's really hard actually. And you know, if you have if you've lived through what I'll call, you know, a personal awakening, where you kind of see things with greater mm-hmm. clarity, and um, uh, in, in a way, kind of learning to be an artist is a way of seeing, and it's kind of a bit of a metaphor for kind of right. just seeing how we live here in this country. Um, you know, you can't kind of unawaken yourself, right? You're kind of, you're always aware of it. Um, and especially in New York City, it's very hard to live that kind of, know. you know, uh, that life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's my work now. That's kind of the work that I do is really trying to synthesize this notion of being and doing and both being effective in the world and um, uh, not kind of uh, not overdoing it. And I'm always overshooting equilibrium. There are moments when I'm, when I'm really just dedicated to what I'm doing and dedicated to my work. And I, you know, forget to sit on the couch for a few days, sit on the couch, sit on a cushion for a few days and meditate. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take very long. You can meditate for two minutes, you can meditate for 20 minutes, but, um, and it really doesn't take much out of the day, but it's just the way we live, especially in New York, where you get up in the morning and you go, 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 go. And, um, and there are moments where I kind of forget to do that, and I feel it and I sense it, and I just deliberately have to make the choice to get kind of back to that practice. Um, and so I'm always overshooting equilibrium. Sometimes I overdo the practice, and sometimes I overdo work. Um, and that's, but to me, that is, that is my, the work that I do on myself personally is really um, trying to synthesize those two things of being and doing and doing both of them, not only simultaneously, but both of them fiercely 
really, mm-hmm. really engaging in both activities. You know, I don't uh, really, I don't subscribe mm-hmm. to kind of the life balance um, school of thought. I believe in doing everything with, you know, deep, deep engagement. Okay. Um, you mentioned also you lost 20 pounds. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Was that a function of some of that's uh, come back? Eat- some of that's come back on. <laughs> did it change your diet though? I mean, what were you eating there? Um, what were you eating? Uh, I mean, did, was it a big change for you? And um, did it affect you in uh, a lot of positive ways? Or was it just, you know, the food's different and people don't eat as much over there, so I lost weight? Or was it a whole relationship to food? Was it a, about eating more cleanly? And how did that, what happened when you got back? Uh, I don't, um, you know, it's hard for me to tease out kind of why I lost all that weight. Um, uh, it may have been the food there, and it may have been the portion size. But I think, for me, it was um, the sense of um, doing things with intention, and including eating. And I find, I found when I was in New York, right? You're kind of you're eating on the run. You're kind of this, you know, you're you're rushing into a meeting, and or you have a business dinner, you have a business lunch, and the, the courses just come, and it's it's hard to stay on top of it and eat with intention and what you actually and focus on the eating while you're eating as opposed to the conversation and everything else that's going on around you, and and the wine just makes it even worse. Um, and Bali, mm-hmm. by the way, the wine was I I, I didn't drink any alcohol even. I just kind of or almost none, so I kind of swore that off. Maybe that had an impact too, but I do think mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, the whole notion of just slowing down, reducing stress, and just eating mindfully and cleanly and kind of smaller portions, all of the above, had a, had a huge impact. When I came back to New York, it's just, you know, you're always impacted by your environment. So I was impacted by, by my environment there, and I'm impacted by my environment here. And I would say that um, I have kept not all of it off, but a good portion of it off. And okay. I try to continue the mm-hmm. practices of being mindful of how I eat. How did the the, the trip change your, uh, if you don't mind my asking, your relationship to your wife? And also, uh, what did your kids learn? Uh, I, look, I, there's, you know, I often think about what my relationship with my wife would have been had I not gone, had I not done this, had I stayed the course. And it's always, it's impossible to tell, of course. Um, but it, I mean, the trip was a gift to my children. It was a gift to my wife, um, it was a gift to myself. Um, and it was an investment. I tell people all the time, it's like, I kind of felt like I had been investing in businesses throughout my career. And I kind of felt like I needed to invest in my relationship. And if you don't invest, the wheels eventually come off the bus. So who knows what would have happened had I not been on sabbatical, but I'm fortunate to have a close relationship with my wife who's, um, you know, not only supportive, but, um, you know, loving and all. And I just, you know, and we've been together now almost 25 years. And, um, you know, I kind of felt like we needed to do it. I, I think my, my relationship with her is um, is great. And I don't know whether it's Bali. I don't know what happened if we didn't go to Bali. So I'm, that's kind of all great. And then, you know, my children, you know, when we got back, my children just, I mean, they just got right back into their school lives and their school friends. Um, it was almost as if no time had passed for them. Um, but I do think that this is always something that we will have shared. Um, I had one uh, daughter at the time who was being bullied in school in New York. 
and she had an experience in Bali of just, um, you know, supportive and close group of friends. And it was almost the first time she'd ever had that. And mm-hmm. it was life changing for her. And she was the only one we came back to in New York. She said, I just need to go to a different school. And so, you know, in a way, it was a big sabbatical for her, too. And she is totally thriving now. It's totally thriving. Great. Who, who, Ben, who do you think gets it right, uh, what they're doing, how they live in Bali or how we live here? Or is it, you know, they're the, the same in many ways. It's just how we deal with it. What, what is the answer? You know, I, I was speaking to a friend from India when I got back. Um, and into the meditation, the yoga, and all this kind of, mm-hmm. um, in some ways, Indian, Hindu kind of, uh, where all of originates. And um, he sort of said to me, he goes, you, you know, that's great. I have people in my country who do this all day long. You know what the problem is? We get nothing done. Mm-hmm. So there, there has to be some sort of, um, uh, some sort of balance, right? Because if you kind of follow yoga right. and meditation or even, uh, art, right? Ultimately, it leads to a very lonely, almost monastic life if you lead to if you follow it to its logical conclusion, and that's not either practical for me or what I what I'm looking for. Um, so you I'm know, not interested in being a monk. But you know, if you can do you it here, do it. if you can do what you're doing, what you did, and bring it back here, you can have a spiritual life in New York City. It's possible. And if you can do it here, it's like everything else. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And that, that also is about the spiritual life. There's one thing about, you know, going up on a mountaintop or being in places where there's no pressure or anything. Yeah. That's, it's not that hard to do that, but integrating that in how fast paced it is here. That's, that's special. And people are doing it. Uh, I think it may be a combination of, you know, you got to do and you got to be. It's like doobie doobie do, like Sinatra sang, but you have to know how to turn it on and off in a, in a nice way, in a way that, that works with your, uh, you know, with your overall lifestyle. What, what do you think, Ben? Um, a, I agree. What I would add to that is that um, even in my work life today, I come to work and competition and aggression and all of the things that um, I need to exhibit in my work and, and are just frankly in me anyways, kind of natural for me. But I do feel that both the edges come off a little bit on it. Actually, it's come mm-hmm. off a lot. And the concern for anybody who kind of lives like this is, hey, if the edge comes off, you know, do your, does your achievement go down and does your success go down? And I have not found that to be the case. Kind of, Great. I do think that the... You know, the nice thing about all this stuff is, you know, I show up to work um, ha- personally happier, with more compassion for other people, and paradoxically, I'm able to achieve more, I think. Now, you came back, you're doing something different now? Yes. So, well, I'm doing, I'm working for a different company. Um, okay. And, um, but it's more or less in the same industry. But was that a result of and, the trip? I mean, did you leave your job, go on a sabbatical, come back to get another job? Uh, I left my something like that? public company. I, I was running, running a comp- public company in New York, and I did leave that to come back to, um, to, to go on sabbatical. I did maintain a role in a partnership that I had here. I came back to that partnership, um, but ultimately decided to just go in a different direction, and that's why I ended up at this new company. Okay. Last question, Ben. Um, for the people, uh, listeners out there who are thinking, well, I'd like to do that. 
I'm sure you stubbed your toe a couple of times during the process. So why don't you uh, take a few moments and tell people what they need to know. If they're considering doing this, here's what you got to know, and here's what you got to avoid, and here's what you definitely have to do. So again, I, I really try to avoid this question because people ask me all the time, it's like, well, what are the lessons in your book? Just, just mm-hmm. cut to the chase, right? There's inclusion. And the book is much more descriptive Experiential. than descriptive. Yeah. I, I just, I, I really try to tell my story and as honestly and as personally as I can and let the reader take from it what he or she will, whether it's aspirational, motivational, inspirational, whatever it is, or, or none of the above. I really try to avoid that. But I will do to answer your question because people want to know. I will plug another book that was very helpful to me. It's okay. called Escape 101, How to Take a Sabbatical Without Losing Your Money or Your Mind. Um, and, uh, and it's a very thin book, but it's really kind of, that is, to me, and I read a lot, that was the best kind of how-to book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was one, you know, when you, when you decide to do this, right, it's a little bit crazy-making because you're, you're, you take yourself so far out of the mainstream of what people do here. And, you, mm-hmm. and it leads to second guessing all the time. It's like, what, have I lost my mind? What am I doing? Um, and uh, there was one line in the book that I always remember, which is, nobody who's ever gone on sabbatical comes home afterwards and regrets it. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's, it. al- it's almost impossible to get this wrong. Well, uh, let me ask you one more question. What was it, when you think back now on the trip? Usually, there's some memory when we think back of different things we did. What, what jumps out at you as like that, that, that moment, that transcendental moment? When I was there? Yeah. Um, there was a scene I described in the book um, about a uh, mountain bike trip that I took with some friends in Java up a volcano. Um, and there is a moment when I'm kind of, uh, I get up and it's really kind of arduous, uh, climbing as you can imagine what the shape of a conic volcano looks like and what the last few um, kilometers look must be like for somebody trying to get up, get up to the top. Um, and um, I get there and it's kind of this very, it's, it's filled. It's a, it's a bit of a sulfur mine on the side. People mine out the sulfur from the, from the caldera and, um, and it's smelly and it's toxic and all that stuff. And I don't know, for me, kind of, to me, that was a bit of a metaphor for, you know, what I was doing. And I kind of, almost, I get, I, I, I have this moment of this kind of freedom when I kind of, you know, turn my back on it and, um, and start heading down the mountain. And so for me, that was, if not the moment, one of, one of the moments of um, this sense of uh, liberation and freedom and redemption. Fantastic. Would you ever go back? <laughs> in heartbeat, in heartbeat. <laughs> Fantastic. And I, hey, I, I have been back, and I kind of, and I, I have been back, and I can, and I continue, and I plan to go back again. Wow, I think that's great. You, you think you might do something like this again, someplace else? Um, I don't know. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. I'm really enjoying doing what I'm doing, and I'm trying not to think much beyond that. Great. With, All right, fantastic. I do find, I do find that. Um, you know, for me, it was kind of it was the right thing to do at the right at that time in my life, right? So it's, um, you know, some point that will come again. But I do, there's, there's a lot about, um, you know, midlife thinking that kind of goes into this. And since I'm kind of getting off the other side of that, I'm not sure where my head's going to be at. 
So Got maybe, it. maybe not right now. I'm, happy, I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing. Okay. Um, all right. Why don't you tell our audience where they can find the book, where they can find more about you, et cetera. Uh, the book is available wherever you buy books. So on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and independent bookstores or wherever. Um, it's uh, available in Kindle and in hardcover. Uh, it's also in uh, many airports around the country. And uh, I have a website called Ben Fetter Author, B-E-N-F-E-D-E-R. And, um, and the book is called Take Off Your Shoes. Fantastic. Ben, great story. Very interesting. Nice meeting you and uh, all the best to you. Uh, thank you for, the, for sharing your experience. I think everybody learned a lot and I think it's, uh, you did a great job with it. So thank you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed being here. Thanks for having me. All right. Cool. All right. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. We're going to take a break now. That was our special guest, Ben Fetter. The book is Take Off Your Shoes. We're on Guys Guys Radio. We're going to be back in a few moments. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back, Guys Guys Radio. Let me just do a quick wrap-up. Uh, we always do. You like to do a little Guys Guys Guide at the end of our show. So let me do something that has to do with uh, vacations and road trips. Just a couple of my personal tips that I've picked up over the years. When you're going to go on a road trip, you can go on vacation. Here's how to do it um, without being too much of a type A. So one, have a plan, but have kind of a loose plan. That's, that's, that's key. You want to have a plan in mind, I think, to make the most of your time off. But you don't want to have such a hard plan that every, every moment is scheduled. There might be some special things you want to do at certain places that have special attractions. Totally understandable. But beyond that, you want to have free time. You want to be able to explore and learn. So have a schedule, but keep it loose. Um, two, uh, if you have uh, any credit cards that are with mileage, mileage programs and all that, check them because you can get some great deals. I just got tickets for myself, my wife, and my son to go to the West coast, um, based on my miles, for, you know, just using miles, uh, that I picked up over my corporate career. So check that if you don't, if you don't have a credit card that does that and you're young, consider doing that so you can build up some miles over the time and then eventually use them because uh, I haven't had a problem with the miles being taken away or anything though. I'm sure some of them have, but, um, overall uh, there was still a lot of miles. Um, also when you pack on a trip, pack lighter, do your packing and then take 25% of the stuff out of the bag because you will find that you always overpack and that you can always, if you're most places, if you're going, you know, you can always buy something when you're, you know, there, there are stores when you travel. So if you don't have something, you can pick it up when you're on the road. It's easier. So cut back on your packing and bringing stuff along and 25% comes out of the bag after you're packed. Uh, Explore, 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 eat local, um, drink local. You know, if you're going to go to uh, Asia and you want meatballs and spaghetti, um, it's probably not a good idea. Eat some of the local cuisine. Learn to learn to be like when, when in Rome, as they say, it's so true. Um, now, on the other hand, and drink local, too. They have a lot of the, every city and location in the world has a great beer. And you usually can get some interesting wines, too. And there's always some type of indigenous beverage that people drink. So check all that stuff out. That's what's fun about traveling. That's part of the fun. Um, explore, 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 but you know, don't be a hero. Uh, if there's some really sketchy neighborhoods, 
got to know your way around. So take some chances, you know, push the envelope, but don't push it too far. You don't want to get yourself in trouble in a foreign land. And when it comes to that, you know, never be really careful if you're going to imbibe in any type of uh, illicit substances when you travel, because you never know what can happen. And the last place you want to be is in a, is in a foreign jail because that's no fun at all. So just keep that in mind. Um, and then also, you know, bring cash, make sure you have cash on hand, uh, regardless of the uh, traveler checks and all of that kind of stuff have some cash because cash talks, nobody walks as they say. So Couple of couple of uh, ideas to keep in mind for your road trips and your vacations this summer. I hope you have a great one. So that's our show, Guys Guys Radio. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another one. And until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. It's time to answer the call, little buddy. I'm talking about big beef, dislocate your jaw kinda wide. This, that, charbroiled unicorn boy, bacon, big pig, slab cut thick, sizzling for shizzling on velvet sheet of ooey gooey. Ooh, a wild, wild western bacon cheeseburger. Carl Jr. I'm calling your name. Western bacon cheeseburger cheese, bacon western bacon cheese burger. I'm talking Carl Jr. Pick it up. Western bacon cheeseburger, Carl Jr. Pick it up.